today's guest, Tanja Jenning, Chief People and Chief Culture Officer of Pipedrive. The secret sauce, which is super unique in any organization, is they're also clinically trained psychologists. So when it comes through things like mental well-being, um, thinking about mental health in the workplace, or even the psychological aspect of going through change, transitions, and managing resilience, these individuals are clinically trained, which is very rare. So they can run their own clinical practices. They can uh, actually practice proper coaching or psychological training and CBT, all sorts of different um, supports for, for mental health challenges. But they can also help on the leadership side around performance-based coaching. So these folks are very rare in an organization. And I feel very privileged that, that I have the benefit of this resource. Um, I have them spread out across all of the countries. And our employees love the resource because They can self-serve, they can find and book time with our coaches as if they were getting either a mental well-being or a doctor referral outside, but they can also use them for work in-house topics. So that's incredibly great. Pipedrive started as a business in Estonia and is now at around 1,000 um, people, is in the SAS field and also um, we talked about how, how the whole organization scaled from a founder-led company to a now a 1,000 um, employees business and the chief people officer perspective there is super interesting because I think they're really nailing how they build an organization and uh, their culture is also uh, really outstanding. They also have internal psychologists so that's kind of a new model um, what I've also not seen so often and Tanya as well. So we talked about that one and also how she runs her people team. Then you can build trust and then you can spend less time communicating and more time just getting shit done. Then I went home and, and thought about this sentence. We basically put it on the table. Hiring takes time. People are trained. How to objectively judge certain situations. It's very, 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 very hard to change things. That was the learning. Entrepreneurs with empathy. On the people side. So today we have a podcast episode I'm really excited about because Tanya and I wanted to talk already at a panel, but then unfortunately, um, because of sickness, you could not fly in. So that would that was sad. But now we have the chance that we talk again and um, that we can do a podcast. So Tanya, maybe we can start with a short intro about yourself and um, that you just give us a bit about uh, context about yourself and that people get to know you. Super. Thanks, Sebastian. Thanks, Thomas. And um, apologies, I couldn't make uh, the the developer day, but it's great to be on this podcast and have the opportunity to have a chat with you. Um, so my name's Tanya Channing, and I'm the Chief People and Culture Officer for a company called Pipedrive. And we are a, a unicorn scaled tech company, um, originally based out of Estonia. Uh, and now we're, we're a global company uh, with almost 900 odd employees. Um, I started out my career in people and culture a long time ago, and not particularly intentionally, actually. You know, I fell into it probably because one of my strengths or capabilities is I'm a huge empath. So I find I love people, like I have a real connection to people. I really feel like the benefit of business is being able to tap into that potential of, of your people and your organization. And therefore, I'm passionate about cultures, environments, how we can and create an environment where people can be at their ultimate best. And I had the pleasure of a very young age of graduating of my first company being a company called Red Bull, um, which unbeknown to me at the time, it was a real people first culture business. 
Um, and I thought all businesses operated like that. I thought all businesses put their people at the heart of, of their agenda, that all organizations focused on driving your brand from the inside out, really focusing on the employee experience and that ultimately driving a brilliant experience for your customers. Um, and I spent uh, a good part of, of my career, the first five or so years, working across all aspects of brand marketing, sales, in people and culture for, for Red Bull, and became really passionate about organizations, supporting their people and having really good creative cultures, and really empowering people to be at their best and giving a lot of autonomy uh, to people to drive their own results, drive their own outcomes. So that's where I started. And for me, that was a normal life. Then I had a bit of a shock. I moved into the advertising industry and it was my first exposure to technology. So I first worked in a, a digital advertising industry, um, got my first in exposure into scaled agile programs and projects and whatnot. That was a first exposure into the world of, of tech and working in the interactive marketing sector, supporting all sorts of clients from big brands like British Airways, Ikea and whatnot. And that was great because it was my first exposure into how technology teams work and how important it is to create people solutions and cultures to support and enable those technology ways of working. Back in those days, um, technologists and, and developers and whatnot were working very much in that waterfall program and style. And therefore, we thought to experiment and say, what's the different way? What are the other optimal ways of producing product, producing outcomes, producing solutions for our customers in a more effective, quicker way? How do we work through the concepts of fully autonomous you know, self-empowered teams. So we really played with uh, agile scaling at that point, And that was a very early adopter stage. And my responsibility in the people and culture team at that point was to take on those projects and programs of work with the chief digital officer to look at those ways of working. And I think for me, that really sparked my interest at that point of working with technology teams and really figuring out what kind of people solutions would really enable their growth and abilities um, and from then on in, I really focused on working in technology and software development and carved out my career from there. During my time, I've not always worked in, as a chief people and culture officer as well. I actually spent a bit of time moving into a chief of staff role, working for a CIO and a CTO of a big payment company. And I was responsible there for their digital transformation. And again, the reason why I made that switch and twist into that role was really seeing the benefit of what technology teams can do for an org and how we need to think about new future-proof solutions of how to engineer and create great products for customers and that way of working and culture um, and the way that they produce product and code and develop and all of the synchronicities and well, you know development ways of working are super important to drive that forward. So that was a great opportunity to experiment with Scaled Agile to look at you know, how we structure the days, how we think about reward, how we think about breaks, how we support on mental health issues, because developers have a very cognitive way of operating and it's quite heavy and taxing, uh, particularly if you don't structure your time from a well-being perspective. So we started to look at how do we create an optimum environment for a product and, and tech organization to be at its very best. Uh, and that was a brilliant, a brilliant time and a great time of experimentation to really think about ways of working and how to optimize. And since then, I've taken off loads of different roles in private equity and transformation, helping organizations scale from startups to scale ups to big enterprise. So I've had a, a real checkered history, but technologists 
and working in technology, supporting technologists and product uh, employees to be at their best and to help organizations scale is really at the heart of what I do and what I care about most. Yeah, that's super ex exciting and um, very interesting and super relevant um, background, especially I think when you just read it and listen to it, it totally makes sense. And it's also um, uh, a question what now came up. So let's say I um, see a lot of early stage companies that just get started and the entrepreneurial team um, who starts the company or the founding team, they sometimes really um, brief that or they have the DNA in their mind and they know exactly what to do. Um, for instance, what you said to create customer value with kind of everything they do or the decision making is based on that. Now, fast forward to an organization of now let's say Pipedrive, roughly 1,000 people, um, also very customer-centric. How do you translate maybe a similar value perspective or thinking that you still keep the customer really at the center in everything what you do that trickles down in the organization? Because I think it's a very complex um, problem to solve and not many companies do that well, but um, how you talk about it, I think you have very specific ideas on how to do that yeah and it's not easy and I would say uh, Thomas it's you know it sounds easier than it is and I think sustaining a culture is actually quite difficult it it takes a long time to build but breaking it is actually quite easy so therefore that sustainability is something you really have to work hard with and really make sure that all of your working practices are one owned by your employee base two fully supported and continue to involve through your employee input. I think this is really important. Like At Pipedrive specifically, I think what we've done a really great job over time is really making sure that we have that strong feedback culture. The voice of the employee and the voice of the customer are two bookends that really inform the how we operate and how we work. So it's no good just focusing on the voice of the employee alone, the voice of the customer in terms of what's important to them in feature, product feature and functionality really drives that product roadmap. It drives what we do and how we serve our customers. And then similarly, from the inside out, really working with our employees on ways of working, how to scale and how to ensure that customer centricity and empathy for what they're building and creating still hones true is pretty much ingrained in leadership and how we think and how we operate. It's at the core. As a leadership and exec team, we give voice to that. We give power to it. And we encourage our people, our pipe drivers, to step into their power, let's say. We encourage them to be autonomous, to be empowered to make decisions, to be comfortable with not always getting it right. There are enough you know, safety nets around for people to make small mistakes and fail fast and whatnot and be able to pick themselves up. That's okay. I think our mission framework, uh, which where our technology and product teams work in tribe structures, uh, so on a fully autonomous team base, and they deploy various missions uh, across our product set, works really, really well because it allows our people to be connected by a very strong purpose. And therefore, the why and the mission orientation of what they do is very much in their core. We make sure we recruit that our talent processes really outline this very well. Like our developers will choose the right developers that will fit those teams. That team interview process is as important as my people and culture team also doing the interview process. You have to be chosen to get into Pipedrive. And it's a quite a difficult process to get in. 
Um, once you're in, you know, you're, you've got a whole lifetime and a career and a development in front of you, but getting in is actually quite tricky. And we do that for a good reason. We like to make sure that our culture is very clear, the importance and the, and the focus we place on our customers is very clear, and that our product centricity is really the star of the show. And therefore, folks and colleagues that understand that will fit pipe drive well. And those that don't, you know, we filter those out and, the, and those types of people are, are just not going to be for us, unfortunately. And we're OK with that. So we work really hard to make sure that we attract the right people and then we give them the tools. We give them the power and abilities to actually bring it all to life. And then it's all self-regulated, because I think one great thing about well, many great things about pipe drivers is that there's a real psychological safety in terms of what we do. Um, so people feel very much able to contribute, to say what's on their mind, to give their true, honest opinions of what works and what doesn't. And that feedback culture allows us to continuously make change. In case you like my show, please subscribe. I would really appreciate it. And um, so that's, there's several interesting topics, what you just mentioned. So a very interesting point, what you um, just mentioned, um, that you really um, de derive from a certain focus yeah how do you define your or how how is your customer proposition value proposition or the customers you want to serve how, how is that defined what attributes do you look at yeah that's a super great question uh, i mean we have a variety of different teams who define where we want to play what kind of customers are appropriate for us based on right the way through from who are going to be the most profitable types of customers based on their size, their attributes, how are we going to help them grow, you know, what it, who is the type of customer is the most suitable for Pipedrive as they grow their business. Because ultimately we aim our product at small business owners and our job is to help them make their businesses grow. But of course they'll reach a point in their life where they might outgrow Pipedrive many, many, many years down the line. So it's really important that we look to connect with the right types of customer and we look at the types of products or businesses that they're in and how we can look at optimizing their sales journey. And that might be right at the start of the go-to-market side of, of the house right the way through um, as they build and grow their businesses. But we have many teams that focus on this and our customer journey optimization runs horizontally across our business. Now, a lot of SaaS-based businesses or B2B businesses don't run that customer journey as, hor as horizontally as we choose to do. And that's probably because we're more similar to a mm. B2C business than a B2B. And looking at that customer journey right the way from the go-to-market teams, the sales teams, the market demand generation, right the way to the teams serving customers, helping them be successful, to the in-product and app experience, we run a very tight customer journey process all the way through. So having those feedback loops and having those teams work almost like a product and engineering team in like that tribe, fully autonomous, you know, self um, empowered team is really important to us. So we serve in quite an agile way of working. Those teams work in sprints, stand-ups, and those types of formats. And they have two homes. They have their functional home, uh, which is where they work in their discipline. And then they come together frequently across the full line of business to connect together. And I think that customer journey optimization serves us really well. One, defining what the customer value proposition is, being able to refine it, and then ensuring that it can come to life across the whole cycle. And that really helps the customer have a really great experience all the way through because those touch points are connected to one another. So that's quite a new development for us at Pipedrive. And it's something that's that's quite unusual. It's not seen or deployed 
across all organizations. Many organizations just focus on one piece of it. Um, but for us, we're really focused on looking at end-to-end component and making sure that there's one single leader following that through and that these people work as do a you, community. Do you also see really any well. disadvantages of this model? Yeah, I mean, it, it takes a lot to get it up and running and working, you know, because there's prioritization to do, you know, aligning multiple groups across the value chain is super difficult. And that really is the power of that leader to really compel and bring these people together to inspire against a vision. I mean, you're really persuading different people to give different things up. And I think in our organization, it works well because we're pretty ego-free. I mean, our principles and our values of operating, we, we put others before ourselves. You know, you don't come to work just to serve yourself. This team first principle and working as a whole, as a whole pipe drive is super important. It's ingrained into everything that we do. And I think that really helps. Um, but it's not straightforward. It's not easy. It's, it's, it needs discipline. And I think this is, this is the concept of all agility. You know, whether you're talking about agile frameworks, agile adoption for product and engineering teams or more enterprise teams or more across uh, the broader organization, it requires discipline and it requires great leadership and it requires trust. And that means that you won't necessarily get results immediately and it takes time to embed those ways of working. But once those principles and ways of working are mature, then the fruit starts to build from and the tree. At what organizational size did you start implementing um, this tribe model across the organization? Um, so initially in the early days in Pipe Drive, this was very much just drawn out in product and engineering. Uh, and then most recently, we've taken this model of working into the CJO setup. So the customer journey optimization teams, we've deployed it there. Uh, and that's predominantly the two areas where it mm. works best. Cool. And When you now look into your org, um, because you are um, responsible for the culture, for the people team, um, how do you have, uh, so how did you structure your people team and what, what is the, the purpose and maybe the, the submissions of each unit that you have? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so we focus predominantly on creating a fantastic employee experience. So, You know, we have a colleague experience team, which does all of the sort of back office process automation engineering to really make sure that all of the steps across the employee journey work well. Now, that doesn't mean that they all have to be amazing or do what I call have mini wows against all of them. But we've clearly mapped our employee journey and that against our value proposition, we're clear about where we want to excite and delight our internal customers where we want to just give a normal moderated experience and where we don't have to make so much effort. We've also um, distinguished that between our online and physical experience because it's as important to have a great digital experience as a physical one. And we bring that all the way through to the front end of the journey. So we focus our time on before pipe drivers even know they want to become pipe drivers, right the way through to the alumni so our colleague experience team is specialized in focusing on each areas of this journey, and that's replicated across the other teams. So I have a team focused specifically on talent, so in-house talent development and data and people analytics. That's very important that we can equip our leaders with all the data and all the insights. This day and age, we have so much richness of insights and data on our people function and our habits of our people, like the feedback loops and all of the insights that we get from all of the surveying that we do. 
it's super important that we compose that and dish that back out in form of dashboards that are live and accessible for managers to use on a day-to-day basis because that's our job to equip our leaders to be at their best. So that's quite a big team. In that team, we also focus on DEI, and we have a special secret source in this team, which I absolutely love. And those are a team of coaches. Now, these are not just leadership coaches, but they specialize in the engineering agile ways of working, which is a benefit. But the secret source, which is super unique in any organization, is they're also clinically trained psychologists. So when it comes through things like mental well-being, um, thinking about mental health in the workplace, or even the psychological aspect of going through change, transitions, and managing resilience, these individuals are clinically trained, which is very rare. So they can run their own clinical practices. They can uh, actually practice proper coaching or psychological training and CBT, all sorts of different um, supports for for mental health challenges. But they can also help on the leadership side around performance-based coaching. So these folks are very rare in the organization. And I feel very privileged that that I have the benefit of this resource. Um, I have them spread out across all of the countries and our employees love the resource because they can self-serve, they can find and book time with our coaches as if they were getting either a mental well-being or a doctor referral outside, but they can also use them for work in-house topics. So that's incredibly great. And then on the other side of the house, I've got a big talent acquisition team who focus on the onboarding, the candidate experience, Uh, the employer brand, all that activation, that's great. And then I've got a very small reward team. It's really important that we focus on the reward as much as the talent. And then I've got a bunch of uh, brilliant people who are business partners who face out into every executive team and support our leaders. So it's it's a brilliant, diverse team. I'm also responsible for internal comms. Um, and workplace experience, which is, I guess, a fancier name for what used to be real estate and office management. So we've rebadged that and really spun that on its head and thought about how do we integrate brilliant workplace created experiences in each of our offices? Uh, and therefore, we've rebranded, rebranded and rechanged uh, those jobs from being very traditional office management based jobs to thinking about how to create those great experiences and communities within each of of the local sites so that's working super well so it's a good setup and I think one of the things I really really like as well about how we work on a day-to-day basis is that we have our core jobs in each of those teams but we also adopt the agile framework so we run in missions we have uh, seven work stream missions that we run for the whole year Um, So everything extra outside of the day-to-day all contributes to these seven missions. Those are very much part of our value creation transformation plans of what we're trying to do for Pipe Drive overall, um, which is all about growing and supporting and developing our people. And what it enables the teams to do is that you could be working in recruitment, but be assigned to a reward team so that your day job is recruitment, but on the side, you're part of a reward work stream. So it allows you to develop excellence in very specific areas without having to cross transfer or move jobs because in a smaller team and company it's quite hard to grow it's quite hard to give each of my team members like different experiences across the full value chain in in people and culture so we run on this uh, way of operating and working so everybody is assigned to a work stream that is very different from their day job Uh, and this gives people really great experiences one to give different perspectives but two, to learn a new skill 
as part of their own career and development. So this is working really well. We introduced this at the beginning of the year um, and it will be a way of working that we we stick and and, and, and remain with in the people uh, and culture team. It's brilliant. Yeah, it sounds, it. sounds smart and like um, thoughtful and also not too much, I think, because seven streams sounds maybe not so much, but I think it's quite challenging to really pro proceed on seven streams in parallel because work in parallel is already challenging, right? And especially if you set up a new team and get yeah. everything up and running, I would I, I, I not see many teams succeed work in parallel. So it seems like that the team is very much set up, stable, um, and they know how to work with each other already. And on top, then this is possible, I guess. Yeah, it is. And it, it, again, it's discipline. So, you know, we work in eight-week sprints. Uh, we have a, a kickoff every quarter for what the quarter mission looks like. And it really helps with prioritization. It's like, look, we have this much time, this much capacity. What is achievable in this time frame? So it's very easy to create a very clear vision and create very set, clear goals for everybody on that, that mission to, to participate in that work stream. I think that really helps because you create clarity. Um, there's a big sense of achievement as you're going through the mission. Like we make a lot of fun. So at my all hands, we celebrate, you know, the best mission of of that, that sprint period. Um, you know, we make the hero of the story, the people within the work stream as opposed to the work. Uh, it's brilliant. It gives me a really good rhythm to report out and to show progress. And I think although it's challenging for the teams, they work from week to week, month to month, and they look back and we have these reflections and retrospectives. And you feel really proud of what you've developed and delivered. You're like, wow, look at what we've transformed. And I think half the challenge when you're in a transformation job is it feels so big. And, you know, it's hard to feel like you've got that progress and recognition forming. And I think in this type of format one you get to shrink the work into bite-size you know meaningful sets of work that don't feel too overwhelming and then you get to celebrate the success and you get that feeling which is a great feeling of adrenaline of achievement and that we're progressing and what I've observed that these all of these things are helping with things like imposter syndrome they're helping improve confidence they're helping with that feeling of achievement growth potential um, and it's helping me keep Uh, talent within the teams where ordinarily I think they might be looking for their next job or, or looking outside so I can keep people interested I can keep them motivated and it creates a great pace of work and achievement particularly in a transformation setup because I think the challenge is you look left to right and you think crikey there's so much we need to do at pipe drive like you know to improve to help the business scale this is a hyper growth business like you know It's very ambitious. We're working with very talented people. There is a lot to do to support that growth. And you can't do everything all the time. So, you know, being very clear and specific about what stage are we on, like what's our transition, helping pipe drivers who've been with pipe drive, you know, for the last 13 years go through these next stage of transitions has to be very thoughtfully created. And therefore, you can't do everything at once. So it's about taking the organization with you, taking your time with it. And this work stream setup really allows me and my team to be very thoughtful, to prioritize, but also engage and motivate my team to do their best work. So we, we enjoy the way of working. In case you have any feedback or anything you want to share with me, please send me an email on thomas at peoplewise.com or hit me up on LinkedIn. And in case you really enjoy the show, please subscribe. I would really appreciate it. And in terms of the psychologists you have internally 
Um, where do you see um, does it add the most value? And also what changed when you had the people in place versus before they were not in place? What, what changed there? Yeah, well, I wasn't, I've, I've not experienced pipe drive without them in place. So I can't talk about, you know, how it was before. Um, it's the first time in my career where I've had this resource in house. Often I find I'm buying some kind of service or support in for specific events in time. Like, you know, you're going for an MA process, you need change management or psychologists to help with that transformation change when it gets uh, into the, the sort of thesis of the impact of identity and personal worth. Uh, I've had situations where we've had employee assistant type programs where there's been unfortunate incidents in the workplace, like a loss of a friend or, you know, somebody dealing with cancer or something difficult, like, you know, a life event that's taken its toll within the team where we've had to get various different external resources in to support. I've never had the benefit of it in-house all the time. Now, when I first arrived at Pipe Drive, the team were very much there to serve that well-being mental health support, you know, and it was very much if an employee wants to have the support, they'd book that coaching time. A little bit like you would have with an employee assistant program. You'd go and book and refer through a doctor or whatnot. This was just the benefit in-house. An actual fact, what I've tried to do over the last uh, year and a half since I've been at Pipedrive is extend their services and deploy them in slightly different ways. So we now restrict uh, 50% of their time to those one-to-one coaching assignments. Um, I've also instilled uh, a discipline where if we feel it's getting too medical, uh, then we refer back to a doctor because we that I think that steps a mark and becomes a bit too close. So we now start to refer out and say, no, this is a time now you need to see your, your GP. Um, and we still support with that, but we help make that transition back to a service within their community or a part of their healthcare. And we use now the teams to really support teams uh, leaders around the change because it's hard uh, in an environment that's a scale up and that's growing that's had different owners, different executive leaders, different leadership styles, different product visions. That's a really tough ask for people to evolve mm. with that. And some people can go through that change with resilience easy and others, for others, it's harder. So we've started to pivot those resources and those coaches to really help and support around the transition of change because we shouldn't underplay what impact this has. Like when folks are struggling to deal with moving forward into the new world and still hanging on to the old, that can really hold back a whole team's performance. And it can be quite a challenge for, for a new leader coming in. So that's really where the teams have had a huge benefit um, and support for, for me and other leaders in the last 12 months. And that's the, the angle and, and dimension that we're taking at the moment. I think it will change over time, depending on what transition we're on. Um, you know, I think with any business, you go for a phase year after year, you're growing, you're evolving, your business model is essentially changing, the external macro and factors are creating new challenges for you. But I think for the moment for us at Pipe Drive now, as we're in this sort of scaling model, we're trying to get everybody used to a different way of working, a different level of growth. Um, and with that growth, Pipe Drive grows up, becomes perhaps a little bit more corporate than it was back in the day when it was a startup. And with that requires different disciplines and different expectations. And I think helping our pipe drivers deal with that shift um, is very, very I important. Agree. If I yeah, if we can still retain a lot of our early talent 
13 years old uh, as we grow. Mm. That's brilliant because it keeps the original part of pipe drives DNA going and it helps us evolve and grow. Like the worst thing for me is if we were to trip and lose so many of our, our early DNA, the early founding teams. I think this is very, very important for the success of pipe drive uh, in the long run. Um, and I'm determined to, to keep on to the culture that was here from day one and to harness that and be the custodian of that as, as we grow without losing its yeah, core I think that's also an attribute, but it's just there um, and can be an asset because it also comes with a bit of proudness of the people who start early, I guess. And you can also see it from the energy usually, right? What they have in terms of buy-in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we do this lovely ritual and I'm a big fan of rituals, particularly rituals that have stood with a company for a long period of time. They're not my rituals, they're pipe drives rituals. And, you know, these things are really important because these things form the foundation of your culture. They're like totems and, you know, symbols of how it feels and what it's like to behave and be around in an organization or an organism. And one of the things I do love is that we do celebrate, you know, the years of service and we have these brilliant, I mean, swag is a super important component of pipe drivers' lives. Everybody loves something with pipe drive on it, but we have these specially designed hoodies uh, with emblems on the back and the year of your service and everyone is very proud. Oh, it's my seven year anniversary. Here's the presentation of your hoodie. And we call it out in the company meeting uh, month by month um, of who are the people that are reaching their years of service and uh, the photos of, of the hoodies. This is very, very important ritual at Pipe Drive. Um, so we're coming to an end. Um, who is a guest that you know, I don't know yet what I should interview next? Oh, wow. That's a big question. You put me on the spot, Thomas. I don't, I don't know. I'd have yeah, to give it some fine. thought. Um, but this is also what I want to um, always do. And sometimes there are good surprises. <laughs> um, and, and sometimes um, people just don't know out of a sudden. And of course, right? Um, it's just a question um, that is a bit unprepared. Um, so if you have somebody that comes to your mind and also enjoys podcast, um, let me know. Because this is also a fun way for me to source guests. <laughs> um, That, that come to a certain certain oh, recommendations or um, hints hints um, yeah uh, thanks for your time Tanya I really enjoyed our conversation no thanks Thomas appreciate it and uh, thanks for, for having me on 